Are you in your 40s, approaching your 40s, past your 40s, and wondering what the F is happening to my body, in my relationships, with my family, in my career, generally all the things. If so, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts. I'm Beth. And I'm Dana. We're here to bring people together to explore and have real, raw conversation about being 40-ish. So welcome to What the 40-ish, a podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to What the 40-ish. Hopefully, you're welcoming back. This isn't the first time you've listened to us, but if it is, we're happy to have you. We have an awesome conversation set up today that I know everybody struggles with, and that is saying no, learning how to say no. Uh, this I don't really have an issue saying no, but my co-host does. <laughs> I do. Admittedly, she's not able to say no. <laughs> yeah, she stretches herself way too thin. And uh, I'm like, dude, just say no. Even my husband, they used to work together. My husband's like, Beth's got to learn to say no. She has to put those boundaries down. So I think that was part of, was that part of your New Year's resolution also? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too hard. That's too hard. No, be, I mean, though. I think, I think though it's just generally like something I know I need to do. So something I've generally been working on for the past six months, like setting some boundaries and some parameters for myself. I still do really have a hard time saying no, but so, oh. and so it's because the- I genuinely love people right. and want to be there for them. And so like when somebody asked me to do something or go to a, an event or something, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. That sounds fun. And like completely overextend myself usually. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is the episode for you. And what was funny was when um, I kind of posted it out there, if people would be interested, they were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear this episode. They are like down to figure out how to say no, put no in their life. So we have an amazing guest with us who she has a podcast too, which is kind of about um, midlife also. And it's called the magical midlife. Um, So you guys have to check it out. We will um, definitely put everything in the show notes for you to find her, but her name is Lindsay D. Swart and she's on here. Lindsay, we're so happy to have you. Hello. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me today. This is cool. Yeah, we're happy. We love you. We love your accent. Where's your, where is your accent placed from? It's from the south of England. Oh, well, that's amazing. We're, we love it. We're all Bye. jealous. We're all jealous. <laughs> but I, I live in Canada now, so I'm completely the outsider. Oh, you're probably freezing up there. What right part now. of Canada are you in? Just north of Toronto. And so, yeah, it's pretty chilly and we just had a massive snowstorm. So it's at its best right now. It's white and it's sunny and it's beautiful. And it's every reason I moved here. Oh, you love the snow. You love, love it. it. Oh, no. I went to Animal Kingdom yesterday and it was probably like 60 degrees. And we were like, it's so cold. It's so cold. We were freezing our tails off. We have snow here right now, um, but the sun's out. It's melting. Thank goodness. If it's going to be this cold, I want it to snow. Yeah. But if it's going to be cold and not snow, no, thank you. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. That was the one thing about Virginia that I would, I, it was just cold. Like there were times, it was just cold, 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 and it wasn't snowy and pretty. Yeah, so that's no fun. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that part, but they have beautiful falls and springs. Like their springs and falls are gorgeous. I love that. Okay. So Lindsay, you are the no expert. Um, (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) 
<laughs> so to say, so you have, um, which I will, I'll, I'll put the link to, but you have a cute little, like five easy steps to say no I guide do. for people. And I, uh, Beth and I've both read it and we're like, Oh, okay. This, I mean, it all se- sounds simple and easy and obvious, but have you tried it? You're, I don't really have an issue saying no. I really don't. I've been, I have more of an issue with people not saying no to me. Like I, oh, okay. that's the part. And that's something I do want to get into is people going, oh yeah, let's do that. And then they just continue to kind of drag you along. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate that. I would much rather be like, no, that's just not for me. Thanks for, I'd love, it's not, no, it's not for me. Thank you for asking. It's not for me. And I'm so okay with this instead mm-hmm. of being dragged along or ghosted like that. I'm like, oh, the ghosting thing is just insane. That's a lot of with the younger people too. Like I have mm-hmm. a couple of employees and I will like text them like, hey, can you do this? And like crickets, I'm like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Just say yes or no. And then they'll all answer. No, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, just answer. Just answer me. So, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about having a powerful no is it makes your yes more powerful as well. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think people are afraid to say no? Well, because we, nobody wants to feel guilty. Nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings. Nobody wants to let anybody down. Nobody wants to look like they're being rude or they're not coping with more. So a lot of it is, I think the whole reluctance to say no is something that predominantly women, we've been trained to do. And if we say no, then perhaps we're being selfish or perhaps we're admitting that actually we've already taken on enough. We're already stretched too thin and by saying no, that we're admitting defeat in some way. Hmm. So I came up with this no theory, theory, I guess, little air quotes, because I've been coaching women for years. And it came, it became very obvious over some years that no was causing so many problems for people because they couldn't say no. So they were overstretched. They were dealing with guilt They were so busy that they weren't focusing on important things for them in their life. And it kind of all bottled down to, I was just like, well, you've just got to say no. And then I thought, well, hold on a second. This is crazy because this seems so easy. And yet for some, it's so difficult. So I just put down in a report some very easy ways that I would always guide my clients to use to say no. Um, But you've got to practice them because at first it feels weird. That's why I asked you, um, Beth, if you'd already practiced the techniques, because as you say, they seem logical, but they're a little uncomfortable at first because we're not used to it. I have on occasion, I'm saying not consistently by any means am I I using those techniques. I think it really comes down to where I'm at a point where I am stretched so thin that I can't, I can't, I know I cannot possibly do anything more. Or if I have a, a, a conflict, you know, per se, where something is, one thing is happening at the same time as the other. And I, ha- I have to say no to one or the other. I am one of those people who I will not, I don't like to leave people hanging. And I don't like to tell somebody that I'm going to do something when I have no intention of doing it. So <clears throat> in those cases, I will say no. If 
if, if there's a schedule conflict or whatever, but if I'm open, I, I will genuinely try my best to, to do what I can. And that's my problem because I, what I've found is that in that process, it's not only me that's me that's suffering because I'm wearing myself too thin, but it's my family and my husband, especially who feels the brunt of that. Because I mean, there was at one point where, I mean, I think what was one night and he just, he just was craving attention from me. And I was just like, no, I was just like, I cannot, I all day long. And for the last several weeks, it's just been people wanting this and this and this from me. And I can't, I cannot say no to them because they're, you you know, whether it's, I was on the school boards or whether it was constituents, whether it was work related, the people who pay my salary or what. And I was like, I have nothing left to give you. And so he was the easiest person for me to say no to. And that hurts my heart because he's like the most important, one of the most important people to me. So like, I'm like, gosh, this is terrible. And that's when I, you know, started to really evaluate, like, I need to be better about setting boundaries. And, and I said that this is two, three years ago that I said this to myself where I had this epiphany and I'm still struggling with it. Hmm. Yeah. It's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Somebody in a Facebook group, I'm just seeing if I've got the post here, actually, somebody in a Facebook group the other day shared a post And when I looked into the origin of it, I don't think I've got it in front of me. When I looked into the origin of this post, it was um, hashtag mum's life or something. It had been shared 47,000 times. And it was basically expressing exactly what you just said, that I get up, somebody needs me. I go to work, somebody needs me. Um, And I think it was along the lines of I'm not ignoring you. I just need to breathe. And I'm not ignoring you saying this to the kids. I'm not ignoring you. I just need some space. And as you say, we end up saying no to the people who are closest and most important to us, which, you know, what's the big deal with saying no to a stranger or to another work project? Because otherwise you end up saying no to the people that are probably the people you would actually ask for help if you needed it. Yeah. So you- and that's the, and that's the truth. And it's my, and my kids, I very rarely, I mean, I have made them my world since they were born. So like, it's very rare that I don't make the time for them, but I feel bad that it has been my husband who always takes the brunt of not edging out, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, he gets edged out of the schedule. I I know, I know I need to fix that. So that's some, that is a part of my, my new year's resolution is being more intentional, uh, intentional with my time with him and my, my thoughtfulness towards him and making him more of a priority. And um, it's not anything that he's expressed to me, like, Hey, you're awful because he knows me and he knows my heart, but it's something that I feel like Mm. the guilt over. So it's something that I'm in, in that regard, trying to make him more of a priority, which is probably going to trickle down and cause me to have to say no to some things. So (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) So should we dive right into how to say no? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So first of all, I've identified personalities. Okay. So you can identify if any of these are you. So first of all, there's perfectionist Penny. Perfectionist Penny is the type of person who wants everything done perfectly. Okay. And so rather than say, rather than trust somebody else to do it, she will say, oh yes, I'll take that on. I'll do that. So she won't delegate because she's so worried that stuff won't get done perfectly and she'll end up having to redo it herself. So do you recognize that in yourself at all? Anyone? Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, I think there. It's. I could say yes on some some of that for sure. Like, 
cooking dinner or like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, I mean, within that, there's a whole lesson about delegation of if you're going to delegate to people and take it off your own back, you've got to accept it may not be perfect. And that's OK. But that's part of learning to say no. Right. So that's one personality type. The next one is flattered Fiona. And flattered Fiona is so delighted that people love how she did the last project or how she organized the last event or how she wrote the last report or how she baked that last cake that somebody will ask her to do it again. And she'll go, oh, that's so kind of you to ask. And even though she's so busy and actually doesn't want to do it, she'll go, oh, yeah. And every ounce of her being is saying no inside. <laughs> yes. You, yeah, you recognize yeah. that? I could recognize that too. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think for Beth and I both, because we're both, I told you we're both event plant, like we've like the event planner people. So this is definitely part of the fun of being an event planner is that like the, oh, it's, you did such a great job. Well, and and so. especially in the realm that we did event planning, where yeah. we were doing event planning within a community association. And so People hate HOAs, but they loved Dana and I because we were the fun people. We did the things that brought people together and brought them joy and they hated everybody else, but they loved us. So in that regard, it was, I can totally relate because people were always like, oh, you guys are amazing. You're so fun, you know, and, and it rubbed off fortunately to other areas of the HOA because people were so happy with our events that I think they were generally more happy than they typically are in other HOAs. And that's cool. And you also end up saying yes to more than you should. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. And I don't know if, I mean, I wouldn't say Beth did stuff just because, you know, she wanted people to be flat. I don't think that part is true. However, this section, like knowing Beth, working with Beth, this is where it, where it, like really got her in trouble was this section. I think like it would be another event. Oh yeah, we could do that. Oh, we're going to add this into the event. Yeah. I want to make it bigger and better. And it was just always bigger and bigger. And it was like, dude, like, what are you doing to yourself? Like this, you, you need like 10 people to, to really pull this off. And she would, it, it would be bad. And then they would, you know, you end up getting sick. Like after well, I mean, the oh, event yeah. wouldn't be bad, but it would be bad because no, the event would be great, but it would be bad because you'd be so thin. They were yes. so, and stressed and, and literally, and Dana will tell you almost after every major event that we had, you got sick. I was sick afterwards yep. because I had just been, I mean, yeah. trying to do the work of 10 people because I had taken on so much like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like, Hey, yeah, we're going to do this. Or people would come with ideas and they'd be like, Hey, how about this? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see how we can fit that in. And it's just like, you end up with all these things. And that was funny because someone just recently was being interviewed for a similar position somewhere. And she asked me, she's not served in that kind of way before. She was like, what kind of things have you learned? Like what things would you do differently? And I said, you know what? My biggest piece of advice is concentrate on, on your, the quality, mm -hmm. the quality part and not so much quantity. So, and when I say quantity, I mean, quantity, number of events that you're doing and also how much stuff you're bringing into each event, like make sure that what you're doing, you, you have solid ideas that are quality and, you know, because everyone's going to bring ideas to you and be like, Hey, we should do this. And Hey, we should do this. And you're not going to be able to do all of it. So you concentrate on the things that you think are going to be the best, the best investment of your time and your effort and the finances. So um, I've learned that, but implementing it is, you know, another issue. 
Fantastic. So you may also relate to Sleepless Sarah. I do. That's, yeah. the, that's the one that I actually <laughs> relate to Sarah. the most. Yeah, Sleepless Sarah is the one who goes, yeah, 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 we can do that. Yeah, we'll bend over backwards and, oh, that's okay because I'll fit it in between, you know, taking the cat to the vet and getting the groceries in and, um, you know, whatever else it might be, picking up the kids and taking the car into the shop and all of the things. And the only person that suffers at the end of the day is you because you don't get time to eat. You don't get time to sleep. You get up early. You stay up late. You're still doing, I don't know, social media posts at midnight blah, 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 whatever it may be, sleepless Sarah will totally sacrifice herself and her health in order to please everybody else. Yes? That's not me. <laughs> Good on you, Dana. I love it. It's me. It's, it's this, this is the one that is definitely me for sure, without a doubt, like every piece of that. So you're a bit of a combo Caroline. I am a combo Caroline, but significantly a sleepless Sarah. Okay. <laughs> so I would say the majority of women that I've ever worked with tend to favor one, but also actually roll into all three. So combo Caroline is a bit of a common character. Uh, we all have aspects of her. However, there is help available. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! And it's pretty simple, but like anything, it involves practicing. Okay. So the first thing is, the f so step number one to say no powerfully and guilt-free is body signals. So if I were to, or you, okay, so check back into those times when you're organizing events, right? And somebody would come along and they would have all of these ideas. And perhaps this person was quite influential, but their ideas were rubbish. And you, but you try to kind of weave them in or you try and weave in an idea but you know that you've got no idea of doing it, you know, without another 10 people helping you. Tune into that feeling and see how does that feel in your body when inside there is a huge no and yet your mouth goes, yes. <laughs> Where do you feel that in your body? Where do I feel that? I yeah, feel your that whole feel. body is saying no. Yes. But, Where do I you mean, feel like it? everywhere, like the stomach, neck, shoulders, like everything. You can but, feel it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you've got that no feeling, that means that you have to start listening to that. Because every ounce of your cells is saying, no, don't do this. And then it's just our voice that goes, yes, of course. I'll try. <laughs> okay. So that's the first one. Yeah. It's the body signals. So the really good thing about tuning into your body signals is your body signal will tell you no, but your body signal will also tell you yes. So if you hear an idea, so you can use this to your advantage as well. It's not just saying no. But as I said before, when you know you're, when you've got a powerful no, then you've also got a powerful yes, because all of a sudden your yes means something. Because if you've got a wishy-washy no, then you've also got a wishy-washy yes. So it's all just everything's a bit wishy-washy and gray. It's really nice to trust that you have a, a kind of a, a black and white, a yes and a no. Um, okay, so you know that feeling when somebody talks about doing something that actually you're really excited about, but then you kind of go, oh, no, I don't think I could do that. Or you're somewhere you really want to be, somewhere you really want to go, but you're like, no, I can't make it. Because for some reason you think it's not a fit. 
Do you have that? You ever have that like that bubbling up of excitement of something you really want to do? Like you're like more like you're afraid to do it. Yes. Yes. This is where this is the this what you're talking about is something that I love. I okay. So I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Yes, man. Okay. I, this is one of my all time favorite movies because he says, okay, I'm going to just say yes to everything. And he changes his life because he was such a no person. Like he was so into his no that his life sucked. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a, you know, I feel like there's, you know, there's a, it's a delicate balance. There's all these people that are yes people, but they, they spread themselves thin with doing things that they might not really want to do. Mm. You know, and then there's the no people who are, don't do anything because I guess they're afraid. I mm. don't know. But I mean, I always have said I don't I don't relate to this one as much because I've always said I'll try anything once. And so cool. Um, unless it's illegal, you know, I'm not going to murder somebody once. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, but I'll try anything once, you know. Now, if it's something that I've done and it wasn't fun right. for me, then yes, I guess I could see that feeling, but I'm not. But then you wouldn't get an internal body signal saying, right. yes, do it. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. internal body signal would be a uh, no, and you'll, you'd feel it, you know, as you say, in your stomach and your neck and your shoulders. Then you've got that body signal. So the, the whole point about this first step is tuning into body signals. Mm-hmm. If you get an absolute, like, bubbling, effervescent, really excited yes, then for goodness sake, say yes and mean it. Yeah. But also it means that you can do that because you won't have all of your whole calendar full of stuff that you should have said no to, but you said yes to because you didn't listen to your body signals. Well, it's interesting because when Dana asked me about doing this podcast, (laughs) I had a thousand reasons to say no a thousand reasons to say no, but I was excited because we had, t- she had called me a couple of different times to kind of talk through her idea. And I was excited for her. I was like, this is such a great idea, you know? And then when she asked me if I wanted to do it with her, I was like, it was that feeling that bubbled up inside me. I was like, you know, because I adore Dana, you know, I adore Dana and we have a good rapport. And I was, and I've thought about doing a podcast, but I had I didn't really feel like I had enough of a good, enough of a good idea to do, to do one, you know? So like, I, you know, questioning my own ability or whatever. Mm -hmm. But so when Dana asked me, it was that feeling that absolute, yes, like that's so exciting and fun. And I'd love to do that. Even though I had a thousand reasons to say no, because I was, you know, extremely busy, but I was like, yeah, yeah. So I, I I get what you're saying now, like about that mm. feeling. But you want to know what's funny about the whole thing too, is because I know she's a yes person and she wouldn't want to disappoint me. I checked in with her like a week later and I'm like, hey, you can say no to this. I am totally <laughs> okay if you say no to this because I didn't want her to say yes and th- spread herself thin and feel obligated and not really be in it. I want her, I want her to jump in and be like, we're going to just make up, you know, we're going to make a mess and we're going to just have fun doing it. And, and she was like, no, 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 I want to do it. Okay. But I did. I called her and I was like, I'm going to give you the out. Like right now, this is it. And she didn't step out. So she's in it now. She has no choice. Cool. <laughs> she did, and give, you, she did and give me the out. Fair enough. And are you pleased you did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, go. I'm having a blast. I'm, I'm hoping that this continues and we, ha- we grow following and we can find a way to do it more, you know. And then we're going to do like tours. Stand up comedy tours, all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> we're not, we're not that funny yet. 
They usually have to give us some drinks and then it gets pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. And it gets scary. <laughs> okay. So that's the first one is listening to your body signals. Okay. Second one is the cut off my leg. And <laughs> the reason I call it that is because sometimes if somebody asks you to do something and it might be the English sense of humor, I don't know, but you say yes outwardly and inside you're going, I'd really prefer to cut off my leg. As in, yeah. I've got no interest on this holy earth to do what you're asking me to do. But for some reason, I'm saying yes anyway. Yes. This would be me hiking. Don't I'll we do? do yeah, we do. <laughs> this would also be me hiking. <laughs> I'll do okay. it for my husband because he loves it. He loves it. But God, I'd rather cut my leg off, honestly. I hate it so much. Awesome. Good. Okay. So that's things like the classic one with mums is... Yeah, sure, I'll be on that school committee. Oh, my goodness. Can I cut off my leg instead? It would be more fun. Yeah. This is um, so I was on the school board here in my county and it it was not anything that I had ever dreamt of doing. It was not anything on my to do list. I am not political like I just and I had somebody approach me and say, I think you should do this. And I was like, you can pay me enough money to do that. <laughs> and she's like, no, I think you should really think about it. And don't get me wrong. My experience on the school board was wonderful. And, you know, I, I learned a lot through that process before years was enough and I did not run for reelection. And I, it's just one of those things where looking back, I think to myself, maybe I should have said no, because along the way of that process, I kept looking for someone to tell me this is not a good idea. <laughs> and um, I thought it would end with my husband. You know, when I went, when I brought the idea to him, I was like, you know, someone, so these people came to me and they want me to run for school board. What, how do you feel about that? He's like, Oh yeah, I think you should do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to be my, no, I thought you were going to be my reason to be able to say no, because me personally, without having an excuse to say no, could not say no, even though it was something I, in that moment, really did not want to do. Your body was okay. telling you no. Yeah, that no signal, it was telling you. Yeah. Okay, so trust that now. So now, let's say you've used, you've tuned into your body signals, and you've listened to the voice in your head that goes, no, I prefer to cut off my leg, or whatever the phrase might be, I'd prefer to stick a pin in my eye, whatever the phrase might be for you that, makes it sit, makes it land with you. Then we get to the third stage, which is no buts. So you'll say, oh no, I can't do that. Or I can't make that. And then the powerful part is to say, is to not say afterwards, but I'll try to blah, 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 or but I'd love to blah, blah, blah. And the reason is there's a very powerful language kind of um, philosophy in this. And as soon as you say, but in a sentence, it discounts everything you said before. And even though we know that in our heads, we still use it. And classic ones are also just, though, and sorry. Those three vocabulary sort of options you might want to try and get rid of when it's associated with a no, because they just devalue what you said. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you say, so sorry, for instance, mm. 
usually when I have said no, when instances where I have said no, I already, I start with, I'm so sorry, but I can't do this for X, Y, Z reason. Are you saying eliminate that because it makes my no less powerful or are you saying, or is that a different usage of the word? Sorry. Well, bless your heart. You just explained it exactly. Then you said, I'm sorry, but blah, 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 because basically you're not sorry. You don't want to do it. So by saying, oh, I'm sorry, it's complete um, kind of foliage on the whole thing. If you don't want to do it or it's not for you or you think it's a bad idea or whatever, just be congruent and just say, um, no, thank you for the offer. But what if it is something like that I wanted to do, I just really cannot do it due to a conflict? I mean, would you still say sorry or would you? If you really can't do it, then that's a different story. But there's not there's not every ounce of your body saying you should have said no. Okay. If you actually want to do it, then that's the interesting thing is to say, well, what have you said yes to that you should have said no to so you can free up the time so you can avoid having so many conflicts? I mean, it's a gradual process, right? Right. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to go out into the world tomorrow and everything is going to be a clear yes and everything is going to be a clear no. Because people go, oh, my God, what just happened to you? You got really rude. (laughs) That's not the intention of this. This is to be able to have a really powerful no. It's completely a self-care tool and it empowers you. Um, Okay, so no buts is the next one. And then no reasons. I like this one. It can get a bit juicy. So the no reasons is if you say, just for example, how Beth just said, um, I can't do that um, because I've got a conflict. As soon as you give somebody a reason, that gives them leveraging power to try and negotiate with you. I can't do it Friday. Oh, well, then can you do it Saturday? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you see. So if you start giving them reasons, you already devalue your no. Yeah. Because they'll try and negotiate unless you're going to say something so cringeworthy that they wouldn't dare to challenge you. (laughs) Like, like, I'm sorry I can't come to that meeting at work. I've got a smear test. (laughs) Nobody is going to challenge that. Okay. That's true. So you can always sort of play around with these things. And, but just don't give anybody a reason. I mean, the classic one is, um, I can't I can't do that because um, I'm going to I've got to take my dog to the vet or whatever, or I've got to go to the dentist. Nobody would challenge you on going to the dentist, would they? Because that seems right. like it's really important. But if you're going, oh, actually, no, I can't go to that event because I'm already going out for dinner with girlfriends. And they're like, well, can't you go out for dinner with girlfriends another night? Well, yeah, but you wouldn't challenge me if I was going to the dentist. That's so what I, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just hate that people that challenge you. Like, it makes me so mad. Exactly. And so then the whole thing kind of takes on this different power and there's all this energy infused in it of madness and who are they to challenge me and blah, blah, blah. So it's just much simpler if you just say, oh, oh, no, no, oh, no, I can't make that event. Yeah. I agree. That doesn't work for me. I agree. I I feel like if people would... People would just learn to say no, then people will learn to accept no. Like, yes, because you treat you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole that's a whole boundary conversation. I, like I have always been that way. Like if somebody says no, I can't do that. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. I'm not gonna why can't you do it? Well, just move that. Can't you do that? Oh, I hate that. 
Mm-hmm. I hate I hate it when people do that to me. Like they guilt you into it. Like just yeah, it's nobody else's business. Stop. I, mean, yeah. I just don't. It's because I don't want to. Is the reason why I don't. You know, I don't feel like I should even have to make an excuse. I don't want to do it. I don't want to come. Whatever yeah. it is, and don't make me feel bad about it. And I don't make people feel. I mean, that's the thing is, if somebody, if I invite somebody and they're like, I can't come, I'm like, okay, it's no big deal. Invitations open. If you yeah. change your mind, you know, but I'm not going to make somebody feel bad about it. I hate that. That is one yeah. of my big pet peeves in life. Is it? Yeah. I don't, well, people do their thing. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And then the final one, it really comes down to your teacher. Well, it's exactly what we've already just touched on is the respect of it all. So if you actually say no and you stick to your no, then when you do say no in the future, people go, oh, Okay. And they don't challenge it and they don't push you and they don't question you because they know that if you say no, it's because you've got a very valid reason. Yeah. And so that kind of lays the path for the future. You can, yeah, set it in stone. If I say no, it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, when you're training a puppy or something Mm -hmm. or people who never say no to their kids and then they go, oh, the kids are always pushing me. The kids always make me feel guilty. It's like, no, you taught them to do that because you, you, when you said no, you never meant it. Or you didn't say no when actually you wanted to say no. So that's the thing. We're just setting ourselves up for future behavior. Yeah. You know, so, so like Beth, Beth being a yes person, she doesn't do that. Though. She definitely, I don't think you've ever made me feel guilty about saying no. I mean, I don't say no that often. I'm usually up for whatever. But uh, what that's- no, and I think, and I think generally... Well, at least between you and I, like we under, I think we have that understanding, but maybe not everybody does. And you, we have a, we have a mutual friend who is even worse than I am. She, uh, she constantly, she'll call me and she'll be, especially in regards to mutual friends. She'll be like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just really, you know, debating on whether or not I'm going to be able to do this. And I'm, I'm like, if, this doesn't, if this isn't working for you right now, if it's difficult time for you and your family, for you to be able to participate in this. And it's funny because I feel like I'm coaching her on how to say no, when I am terrible at it, you know, but she comes to me because she knows I'm the same way. And so she's looking for, I think the validation to be like, it's okay, because she knows if I'm telling her it's okay, then it, then it probably really is because I feel the same guilt that she does. But it's, she, she comes to me often and says, Hey, you know, like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do this. And she's for her, she's more worried about upsetting somebody's feelings. And, and, um, and I understand that. And also she has FOMO real bad, like, (laughs) like fear of missing out. Like she genuinely wants to be there. Like I do, if it's, if it's a friend or somebody that you love and you really want to be a part of whatever's going on, she has extreme FOMO, but she also is in a different point of life than I am. She has younger kids. She, you know, like they all are involved in sports, whereas my kids are older, they can drive themselves places. They don't depend on me as much as her kids still depend on her. And so she, she has a hard time with, with letting go of, of the fact that she's in a different stage of life right now where she cannot say yes to everything. And so I have to, I have to, you know, help her with the the guilt of that sometimes and tell her it's okay. It's okay if you don't do that. But we also have one friend who is prefers for you to just say no. And she doesn't, she won't think anything of it, but 
this other friend constantly overthinks that <clears throat> she constantly is overthinking whether or not this person is going to be upset and the other person's not going to be upset. She's actually going to be more upset if you're wishy-washy about it and are okay. like, yeah, I'm planning to come. And at the last minute you and say, you no. don't come. And that's yeah. the thing. That's how I am. Don't you see, come. that's the thing. So it's the same thing. Like if somebody said, oh yeah, yeah, I'll show up because it genuinely in their heart, they want to be there to support you, but then they're there and you know, they're checking their phone and they're checking their watch and they're kind of on the phone or whatever. You're just like, actually, if you couldn't really wholly be here, I'd almost prefer that you weren't here. Yeah. Right. Wherever you're going to be, just show up and be there rather than the wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Or back out last minute. Like that, or I back hate out last that. minute. Yeah. Don't, don't back out. I'm not expecting you. I'm excited to see you. And then I get a text. Oh, I'm not, you know, and it's, it, it, it always seems a very thin. I'm not really feeling that great. I'm not yeah. going to I'm like, mm. This see, and that's, that's the power of the, the true yes and the true no. Yep. If you say you're going to be there because you really wholeheartedly want to be there, you will move hell and high water to get there. But if you kind of go, yeah, well, I'll try and fit it in on my way back from wherever or whatever, you know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. Chances are you won't be there. Mm-hmm. And so you just let somebody down. So actually you almost then carry the guilt way longer than the event ever was. Because you tried to fit it in, whereas if you just said no right at the beginning, you may have had guilt, a pang of guilt, maybe, and then it would have gone. But if you're constantly carrying the baggage of letting people down or disappointing people or whatever, because you said yes when you meant no, then that just lingers on. And that takes its effect on, its, on your health. Yeah, Guilt's a really detrimental energy to hold in your body. You just don't want it. Yeah, it does. So you touched on like we just kind of like glossed over it, but men versus women and how this is this is a woman. Tra- I, it is a woman's trait. Mm-hmm. Like men kind of like, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, I think because generally I think they're more compartmentalized. And so they're able to kind of put things in in, in different buckets. And and whereas for for me in particular, it's all intermixed. It's all just in there somewhere. Yeah. And so for my husband, he's able to say, nope, I can't do this because, you know, I mean, he's very compartmentalized like that. And he's also not as emotionally um, invested. I don't know if that's the right term. I think that's probably the key is that emotional part. Like I have an emotional tie to you, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to upset you. I get that where I think our husbands are like, meh, they care about each other, but they're like. They're not quite so ingrained people pleasers. Yeah. But also, I think they also like if, for instance, if we were hosting something at our house and somebody said that was maybe their best friend says, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. They would be like, "Okay, no problem. But if it were my best friend and says, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I mean, I would be okay with it, but I'd also be like, oh, I really wish they were coming. You know, like there would be that part of me that would be like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, I really wish they were coming. Whereas he would be like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm like, I'll still have fun. Like, no worries. (laughs) Yeah. Are we taught this or is Mm -hmm. this just like we're taught this? I don't remember. Like, how are we? how, How do you think we're taught this? Like, what are we doing and how can we stop teaching our girls this? Okay, so, for example, let's just say that um you're as a little girl or you're with your daughter or something and somebody gives her or somebody asked her invites her to go somewhere like let's say a really mean girl at school invites her to go on a play date you know when we were allowed to hang out at people's houses and stuff but I don't know 
on your lockdown scenarios. Okay, so let's say that uh, your daughter was invited to go to a mean girl's house or a mean girl's birthday, and she actually didn't want to go. And she would say no, or she would sort of go, because she didn't want to hurt her feelings. But actually, she didn't want to go to that party at all. She didn't want to go and play at that friend's house. And then a grown-up moves in. He goes, oh, well, don't be rude. Go on, go along. You might have some fun. Be socially acceptable and say yes. But actually, oh the girl God. didn't want to go in the first place anyway. I swear this happened with me, with my daughter. So she, we've she, all done it. We've do, we I've totally done it. I have done this to her. Like she, I told her she needed to invite like all the girls yeah. from her class. And she's like, I don't want to invite this one girl. She's mean. I don't like her. She's, she's, you know, she makes fun. of. She's like, and I'm like, no, you should do it. You should don't leave her out. And my husband was like, no, like if that girl's, if that girl's mean and you don't like her, don't invite her. That's what she gets for being mean to you. Exactly. I totally did this. Okay. You see, we taught it. Yeah. And as moms, we perpetuate it. Yep. That's so, that one. My God. Like, okay. I just totally did that. Yeah. Also, um, you know, somebody asks you to do a job, maybe, which you really like for a young child, you know, can you do the washing up? I mean, it's difficult with a, with a job because you're asking them to do it and hopefully you're asking them to do it for a reason. But yeah, pushing our kids to do something that they really don't want to do. We've got to trust when they say no. Like if it's a new sport they're going to try or jump off a higher diving board or something like that. I understand it when it's a courage thing and you want to encourage them to try something new. But if they did it, if they did try it and they said, no, I've done it, I'm not doing it again. We have to respect that. Yeah, because otherwise you're taught, oh, well, you know, go with the crowd or go and you don't want to be the only one that doesn't do it. You don't want to be a, I don't know, a sissy or whatever. Uh, actually, their gut instinct is telling them no, because as kids, they have a very strong gut instinct of yes and no. We all do. And it's trained out of us hmm. to be socially acceptable, to be people pleasers, to be yes people. Um, but not true yes people. And it's horrible to hear as a parent because you're like, oh my goodness, I was completely part of creating this. Yeah. And that's because it was created for us as well. It's been created for a long time. But using the birthday party scenario, of course, the boys aren't like that with birthday parties. It's not all about inviting the whole class. They don't have to invite this. We don't have to invite that. For some reason, the boys aren't pushed to do that, whereas girls are. That's weird. Like, why do we do this? Yeah, why do we do this? Why did we do this to our girls? Now, the courage thing, though, goes back to kind of the whole the Yes Man movie. Uh, I mean, I told I was at Animal Kingdom yesterday. I was saying, and my daughter, she was very afraid to get on two rides, didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. And like, we kind of pushed her into it. We're like, you're going to do it. Come on, it'll be fun. And she's like, you promise it's not a roller coaster. I'm like, it is not a roller coaster. It's, you know, this. So then she doesn't like roller coasters. And so we got off of it and she was scared when we got off. But then like 10 minutes later, she's like, well, if you guys want to do that ride again, I'll do it again. And she liked it. And then we went and did another ride, the Avatar ride, which was amazing. And she was very scared. And, and she, we got to the front of the line and she said, mom, she goes, I think I'm going to just step to the side. And I said, come on. I said, you can do it. You can do it. And she's like, well, you hold my hand the whole time. I said, yes, I'll hold your hand. 
And we did it. And she's doing it. And she's screaming through the whole thing. Yes. Woo-hoo! Like she's having the most fun. She thought it was amazing. And she got off of it. And she was just like, that was the most amazing thing. So there is, to me, I get what you're saying with the party. And she doesn't like this girl. And no, this girl's been mean. I don't want to deal with that. But then I do think that courage part, mm-hmm. that's, so do we encourage, I mean, I feel like that, that was the right move was to encourage her to try this something new that maybe gave her butterflies and she ended up loving it. She thought it was mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. I don't know. I'm confused. So I'm confused. I would, okay. And that's fair enough. I would absolutely strongly, strongly encourage trying new things. And that ties up to something else as well. That ties up to, so you know how earlier on I referred to this whole um, uh, perfectionist penny who won't let anybody else have a go at anything in case it's not done perfectly. I believe that this is a whole different podcast topic entirely, but I believe that when we are raising our children, we need to allow them to try new things and for it to be a complete screw up and for them to fall on their face and for it, for them not to be good at it because at least then they've tried it. Right. And they've learned to fail. And I actually completely 100% agree with this because This is something that I think I struggled with when I was little. So, you know, I think we've talked about this a couple of times, how we kind of learn from our parents, the things that they did well. And then also like based off of how we felt as children, things that maybe we do differently because of some, not, I don't want to call it a shortfall, but just something that we needed that maybe we didn't get from them. And I wish I had been pushed to try new things. I wish I had been um, or allowed to try the things that I was asking to try. Um, And so anything and everything my kids have ever asked to try, you know, I've, I've allowed knowing full well, because you know, your kids, like your kid wants to play T-ball, but you know, he's not naturally athletic. You let him play T-ball and you (laughs) you let him figure that you let him figure that out. And, um, it's funny because, um, uh, last Christmas I asked my son to, for as his Christmas present to me, to convert some of our old family videos from, you know, back when they were really little into, you know, digital to where I could access them on the computer. And so he did that for me and he found one video of a T-ball game where, um, he, and if you know, if you know, Caleb, like he was just anxiety ridden over this T-ball game. And so like, I'm like, yeah, Caleb, it's your first game. Are you excited? You know, on the video. And he's just kind of has a face like, oh, like kind of. And like in his memory, he didn't remember it being like that. He remembered being excited. And he was like, why was I like that? And I said, because you were so anxiety, <laughs> you were so anxiety. You wanted to do this. And so I made you follow through with it. Like, yeah, but so in his mind, he only remembered being really excited about it. And I was like, you were excited about it until you started doing it and realized I'm not really good at this. (laughs) So it just caused him some anxiety, but I made him follow through the season. I wasn't going to be that parent that pulls her kid out and made them follow through. You made a commitment for this amount of time. You're going to, you're going to fulfill that amount of time. And so anything and everything I've let them try, if they've, they've asked to do it as long, you know, within reason, like I'm not going to let them try to do something that they're going to kill themselves doing, but like, I've, I've let them try all the different, you know, different activities and sports. And I've encouraged that and knowing full well that they probably, maybe they're not going to be the best at this or whatever, because I think that that was something that for me growing up, 
that I was allowed to, I was, only, I was, I felt like I was only allowed to do the things that were, that my mom thought maybe I would be good at, or maybe mm-hmm. I, I don't were appropriate for a girl or, um, I don't know, but I, I remember feeling a little bit or things that she was comfortable with. So like, I remember I did dance as a, a young, like maybe four, three or four year old. And it, that caused my mom anxiety because her saddle night was a fiasco. And like, so she, like after one season of dancing, she was done as a parent, but I loved it and I wanted to keep doing it, but I never did it again after that. So instead I did piano lessons, which I hated. I hated piano lessons because that was something that she didn't have to, you know, like, you know, she was saying no for herself. That yeah, I, I yeah. think so in a way. Yes, she was. I mean, and don't get me wrong. My mom was a really good mom, but I think those are things that I was like, you know, when, when I have kids, they want to try something, I'm going to let them, or if there's something that maybe they're not the best at, but they love doing it, I'm going to let them keep doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, I don't feel that same thing here, but I feel like I'm, I've, because maybe I was stifled younger as mm-hmm. a little bit stifled when I was younger, I've learned from that and, and have been different as a parent. Cool. Yeah, I, I think the hard part with parents right now is they want their kids to do everything. Like they're, they're so, these kids are so overbooked. Mm-hmm. Now they're, we're training them to be, I guess, yes, kids. Cause they're, they're doing yeah. soccer, gymnastics. Oh, they've got tutoring. And then they've got, you know, coding and all on top of their school on top of it. I mean, no wonder these kids are just like anxiety ridden. They're, they're mm. spread way too thin. You see, I made a very, so I've got three kids and I made a very conscious decision when they were much, much younger. And partly it was because it was financial and logistics as well, because my husband traveled a lot with work. So I was trying to run three kids to activities. So I said, you can all choose one activity, like per session, per season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, because that's all we can do. We can't afford any more and I can't run you anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember for one. Us was, for us, yeah. it was financial and time also. And so yeah. I kind of had a similar rule, like, yeah, you can try anything you want, but like it has to fit with you, <laughs> it has to fit within this. you can't do Do it for one season yeah you can't do everything absolutely and the whole thing of you know tutoring and music and sport and you know school trips and play dates and all the rest of it it's just like at some stage kids you've got to choose so we've got to teach them to choose what's really important to you what's the thing that makes your yes bubble with excitement because that's what you should do I, so, I mean, so to me, I guess these five steps can go to that also to saying yeah. yes, of course. Well, rather than teaching our kids to avoid the yes and no signals, let's teach them to really tune into those yes and no signals. Yeah. Because that's a power. That's a life skill. Yeah. What would you. So if I was going to talk to my daughter, what would I say to her? OK, I want you to try and listen to what like is it just that just listen to how your body's physically yeah. reacting yeah you can start it off as a game I mean if ever I was um you know in the day of in-person workshops when I would be starting off a workshop and we'd be covering the yes and no signals and I would literally ask some you know very simple questions with no weight attached to them whatsoever and say okay so where do you feel the yes 
you know, it could be like, you know, are your eyes blue? So that, I guess, could, you know, do you have hair? Do you have two ears? Whatever it could be, a really simple yes question. And then say, okay, just sit with that. Where do you feel that in your body? That's your yes signal. And if it's a no, things like, are we on this workshop on Mars? Well, no. Okay, so where do you feel that in your body? And get them to actually be able to locate where they feel the yes and the no. And then it's just like going to the gym. You know, you work a bicep for the first time. If you've never worked a bicep before, you're like, oh, my arm really hurts. Well, yeah, that's your bicep. Yeah. You know? So get them to, to use that muscle, that yes or no muscle. I, so they absolutely are clear on the signals. Yeah. I, I think to me that I like not to take this into this bad realm, but this would be so great to teach our girls and our boys those yes and no signals just for, you know, saying, yes, I do want to have you know intercourse with you or I want to make out with you. I, I do feel like women, because we are, we don't, we want to please. I do feel like we've said yes when we probably really wanted to say no yeah, in absolutely. those situations. And, you know, I, th- I do love that girls are getting that voice finally, you know, of saying no. And the crazy thing is girls have always had this voice. Yeah. They've always had this voice and they have been trained not to use it. That's and sad. shame on our generation of parents. We've just perpetuated it. Yeah. You know, things, we are absolutely in a huge, big social shift of a lot of the social norms are breaking away, changing, shifting, etc. And so this absolutely is one of the things that hopefully we can do a reset yeah. and say, stop saying yes to the things that you don't want to do and start saying no and meaning it and stand by it and being guilt free. You do not need to be guilty about not wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. And people need to stop guilting people if they get told no. Like well, stop. the thing is, it, again, I mean, it depends on how far you want to go with it. But in theory, nobody can guilt you because you're the only one that chooses to take on the guilt. They can say what the heck they like, but it's your choice whether you feel guilt about it. It's true. It always comes down to your choice. Nobody can make you feel anything apart from yourself. It's true. It is true. It is true. Although they, you know, and I, and I'm guilty of it too, like (laughs) trying to make somebody feel, especially my husband, trying to make somebody feel guilty about something like trying to help them move towards those guilty feelings. But yeah, it's like drinking the poison yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Waste of your energy, complete waste of your energy. Your energy could be used for much more valuable things. That's so good with our husbands, though, because I know I do that. And then I get pissed. (laughs) Then I'm pissed. I'm like, why is he not feeling bad about what he did? And like, finally, like I'm eating, it'll eat me alive for like a week. And finally, I approach him about it. I'm like, what the hell? Why can't you just say it? And he's like, dude, I thought we were over. I thought that that whole conversation was over and we moved past it. And I'm like, well, we weren't. It was still inside me. Like I and I was. uh, You see, and that. uh, because I do energy work as well, that is a huge energy that's trapped in guilt. And so if we try and put that on other people, oh my goodness, we may as well just shoot ourselves in the heart because seriously, it is so damaging. It is. Guilt's a terrible thing to have to carry. If you're living in the past, you're living in the future. If you live in the now, you do not feel guilt because there is no guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I carry, I feel like I carry guilt 
um, a long time, but I'm also, I am very forgiving. So I don't hang on to hard feelings that things against me very long. So like, I feel like in what Dana's talking about in that situation where, you know, a couple of days later, she'll still like, I'm still mad about this. Like Aaron will be tiptoeing around me because he thinks I'm still mad. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you being like, and he's like, I thought you were still mad at me. I'm like, mad about what? And he is, like, and he's like, you know, mad about, you know, we got in an argument like two days ago. I thought you were still upset. And I was like, no, after I vented, I was fine. You know, after I told you why I was upset, I was fine. I just needed to get it out. And I think he's learned that now, but it took, honestly, we've been married 22 years. It probably just started happening like year 18, where he finally realized, oh, she doesn't stay in that very long. So, you know, but I harbor, I harbor guilt of things that probably I shouldn't be guilty about. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do hang on. But for that. what purpose? How does that serve you? It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I had, so for instance, I had a, I had a friend who committed suicide. I'm sorry know, for that. Several years ago. And she had called me, um, like, I think it was a week or two before I mean, we were long distance at the time. We weren't in the same area, but she had called me a, a week or two before this happened. And I had every intention of calling her back um, and never got around to it. And a part of me still harbors that like, and I don't think that anything I could have said to her would have changed that situation, but in my, in my mind, and I know it's kind of one of those irrational thoughts, but in my mind, I think to myself, if I had just called her back, would things be different? If I had just, but I wasn't her only support in her life. And I, and I keep having to remind myself that you weren't the only one around. You weren't the only person available to her. They were, she was surrounded by people who loved her and she still did this thing. So, and I think part of it is not having closure and not understanding why she did what she did. And, you know, that, that I think plays into your guilt because you, you, this question that you have, you will never be able to have answered. So I don't know. I think there's, there's that. And that's a whole, probably a whole other. <laughs> I was going to say, oh my God, I could just, I could just go off on that. Yeah. Because- there's this, that's probably like a whole other, like two hour conversation, but it's, it's, it's something that, I mean, that I've carried with me for years. And, um, you know, I think about her so often, even now, even years after she's gone, mm-hmm. I, I still think about that situation and I still think, what could I have done? What could I have done differently so to help her and support her? When you think about her, do you also remember her, the, the good sides? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why, I think that's why what she did was so surprising mm. um, because it was just something that you, you weren't expecting, but I think it was just a, like a perfect storm of things coming to a home and not really realizing how badly she was struggling. Mm. Her brother had actually committed suicide two months prior. Oh. Um, and he was, uh, you know, had been in the service and had deployed several times and was just really kind of messed up from that. And um, so it just, really created a lot of, I don't know, a lot of guilt for me. I should have been, you know, knowing that she had just gone through this, she should have been checking in on her more, but 
not being there, not seeing her true state of mind. I really had no idea that she was struggling as much as she was. And um, I don't know. I just, I played like all these things in my mind, like what could, what could you have done to, to differently to support her? And would that have changed the outcome? And I just will never. You'll um, never know the answer. I'll never know the answer to that. No. So we'll probably talk about that actually when it comes into the uh, kindness challenge. Well, maybe okay. we should, let's, maybe we should go there. We've, we've, we've had a pretty good conversation on no and how to say no. <laughs> um, and the five, in the five tips, we always ask our guests to relay a, um, a time when somebody was kind to you or some kindness that touched you in some way. And it can be very simple thing or a very large thing either way, but we would like to see what your kindness story is. Well, I was so delighted when you asked me this and you, you said, you know, what, what would your kind of story be? Because it then allowed me to go back over the past and to go, oh, there's that and there's that and there's that. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, that's so beautiful. Because how yeah. often do we ever do that? Right. How lucky are you? Because uh, they're, they're easy to take for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, people will hang on to the hurt and the pain, but they don't necessarily hang on to the joy and the kindness that they feel and the gratitude. So one of the stories, I was actually going to do a different story, which is more recent, but the moment you said that, it flashed me right back to a different one. So I'm going to share that with you. I've always brought up my kids to believe in the spirit of human kindness. Um, And that starts by giving people the benefit of the doubt, hoping for the best, you know, et cetera. Anyway, so one Christmas in the mall, the local mall, I always went in and volunteered to be a gift wrapper. So people would come in and bring all their gifts. I'd be there. We'd have a whole station with all the papers and the ribbons and everything. We would give of our time, volunteers. People would donate and it would go to support local charities. And because I love Christmas, I love wrapping. So I always volunteered. And, you know, I was there for a number of sessions like you book in for shifts. So I did that, loved it. And it made me feel really Christmassy. Anyway, so one weekend I was doing it and I tried to avoid weekends normally because I'm like, "Ah, it's busy. But anyway, so that one I went, okay, it's busy. Let's get in the Christmas spirit. Let's do this. It filled my heart with joyful, effervescent yeses. So I said, yes, let's do it. Anyway, um, so my family came to do some Christmas shopping together. And they bought me um, uh, like an outdoor down jacket. And they had it in their, you know, the, the kids were little and they were carrying it in the bag and whatever. Anyway, so I was doing the wrapping. And then we met when I'd finished my shift. We met and we all went out for lunch or for coffee. And then when we left to go off and go off in different directions to buy for different people, obviously the bags had been left in the restaurant, including my Christmas present. And so about when we were, I don't know, a couple of shops down the line and suddenly my son, I think it was my son, realized and remembered, he went, oh, no, mom's Christmas present. So obviously we went back to the restaurant and then he was trying not to tell me because he felt so guilty because you know, it was my Christmas present. Anyway, so I went back to the restaurant area, like the food court, and they said, no, 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 it's not here. Then we went to the, um, uh, like the customer service thing, and they said, oh, no, 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 we haven't seen anything. So, of course, my son was just going, oh, God, I've lost mom's Christmas present, blah, 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 I feel so bad, et cetera, et cetera. And so you try and logic stuff out as you do. And so I said, well, you know, I'm sure we could always get it. We'll talk to the credit card people and, if that's what it paid on, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so the next day I was coming back to do wrapping again. 
And so the evening passed and we just obviously, you know, we let it go. It just is. It's a thing. And I said, we'd all had a great day together, et cetera. And so then the next day I went into the mall. I just thought, you know what? I know what shop they bought it from. I'm just going to go in and see them and just say, has anything been handed in? It was in a, it was in a particular bag if it was lost. Anyway, so I went to the shop and because I do like that shop, they know me. And so I went in and I said, and they said, oh, my goodness, that was your family and your cute kids and your lovely husband and blah, 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 and all this good stuff. And then I said, they bought me a jacket and it's what happened. And they said, yeah, somebody found it and they brought it into us. And rather than leave it with us at the shop, they've taken it home and this is their phone number. And they said, please, can you call them? And they've got it for you and they want you to pick it up or they'll come in and meet you with it. So they want you to have this, but they didn't want to leave it or they'd found it or something after the shop was shut. So they said, this is a phone number. They phoned us when they got home and said, can you please tell whoever it is? We've found the bag. So then I went round to this person's house on my way back from the mall that day and they handed me my Christmas present. And they said, you know, we're so pleased that we found you. We were so worried that we wouldn't be able to give it back to the person. And, you know, Merry Christmas. Spirit of human kindness. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. And more than anything, the thing I took away from it, although I still have the jacket today and I'm very grateful for it. The thing I took away from it was thank goodness that restored my kid's faith in the spirit of human kindness. Yes. I was hoping somebody would show up just to layer on that idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and spirit of human kindness. And yeah. it's happened since. Yeah. It's I, I mean, I time gen- and time again. I think people are kind. I feel like we just focus on, you know, maybe the five or 10% that are not. Like, I, I feel agree. like most of us are kind and would do the right thing. I wish we would focus on. And that's kind of, you know, what Beth and I are trying to do. Like, let's, let's refocus on yeah. kindness. I was having this conversation with my, with my, with my hairstylist. I had said, you know, so I'm so ready for things to, to kind of get normalized, you know, like, okay, we know COVID's here. It's not going anywhere. We need to learn how to live with it. And I'm so tired of everything being politicized. And, and he's like, what do you think the answer is? And I said, well, you know, I think the answer is, you know, we just need to treat, treat people how we would want to be treated. We need to go back to being kind to one another and we need to be respectful that sometimes someone's going to have a different opinion than you and that's okay. And um, it doesn't mean that we love them any less. It doesn't mean that we, you know, cancel them. It doesn't mean that we, you know, go out of our way to, to publicize that they don't agree with us. Um, you just say, Oh, okay. We don't agree on that. And that's okay. And mm-hmm. um that used to be an acceptable thing and it's not anymore. And it's, and it, it's, it breaks my heart. And so those seemingly should be like normal acts of kindness, like seem so like, just, wow. Like when people, when something happens now, because it's like, I feel like we live in this world that's filled with all this negativity. And so when something positive happens, even though probably 85% 85% of the population would, would have returned that mm. bag, you know, when it happens to you, you're like, wow, that was amazing. That's, you know, you know, that's so awesome. And 
you know, how kind of them to hold, you know, to hold it for me and to make sure it was safe instead of just arbitrarily turning it. And because they knew what their intention was with it, as opposed to, you know, maybe it being put in the hands of somebody else who maybe wasn't as honest as they were, or maybe didn't have the same intention. So, you know, I just, I completely see why that is something that sticks out in your, in your head as an, as a true act of kindness and, and, and love the story behind it. Thank you. Okay. So the other thing we do on, on our kindness role is we uh, set a challenge for, it could be usually it's like for the week, but it can be for the month or the year. Like uh, it could be simple, large. Typically we do something very simple, like just text, text three people you haven't talked to, tell them you're thinking of them, send a card, things like that. And you have said you would set the challenge this week. So what do you have for us? So mine's small and large at the same time. It's small, but it's big. And this relates back to what you were saying, Beth, about letting yourself off the hook and about not feeling guilty. In your head, you know that there was nothing you could have done to change the outcome. And so my kindness challenge is to be kind to yourself and let yourself off the hook about something. About something that you feel guilty about, something that you're hanging on to, you are holding so much negative energy in your body by holding on to that, that I ask you to give yourself the kindness to focus on everything that was good about the situation, everything that was good with your friend, the beautiful times you had together. And so everybody carries a story like that. And I ask you that you use self-kindness because by using self-kindness, you will then project more kindness out to the world. Treat other people exactly as you want to be treated, just like you said, Beth. Yep. And treat yourself as you would want other people to treat you. That's, That's my kindness true. challenge. Thank you. I mean, the listeners can't see me, but I am bawling my eyes out right now. She's so. crying. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's hard holding that. That That's... We all, yeah. It's hard holding that. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Please don't hold it. It serves no purpose. It doesn't help your friend. All of us holding on to past hurts from arguments, from loss, from whatever. It serves us in no way to hold on to that. And in fact, the best thing that you can do to free the situation, to free your heart, to free your worry is to just allow, be kind and allow yourself to let go. Because as you, I mean, your words just said it so true, Daniel. You said it's hard to hold on to that. It is, and it takes energy. So don't hold on to it. It doesn't mean you're any less of a person if you don't hold on to more pain. Focus on the good side of what was. Because you're, just like you said, Beth, when you've, you know, people do really good things and yet, we kind of look for the bad. It's the same thing with us. With every experience, there is a good experience side and the other side of the coin is the bad experience. And we just, we hold on to the bad for so long and it's so detrimental. So I ask you to start looking for the good, to hold on to the good, because that will benefit your heart, your soul, your spirit, and ultimately will roll out and benefit everybody else too. Amen. Praise brother. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. So Lindsay, where can we find you? I am on Instagram. I'm at Lindsay Deswart, which is L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-D-E-S-W-A-R-T. 
um, on Insta. Uh, that's Instagram. On Facebook, I'm on Lindsay DeSwart. My podcast is Magical Midlife. And I have a Facebook group uh, called Magical Midlife as well. And that's enough links for now. <laughs> yeah, I'll put all of them down below. Um, yeah, everybody, you guys should go follow her. She does uh, coaching um, on the side. So um, I think you would probably be an amazing coach, honestly. I love Thank you. That. Yeah. I, and you can also actually, if you go to Instagram or Facebook, there are links so you can download that five easy steps to saying no powerfully and guilt-free. Yes. And they should, because at the end of this form you have, there's some great little exercises. So you have like my, my not to do list and yes. three minute self-esteem journal. Like I love these a rebalance journal, future pace journal. These yeah, are great. Just one page exercises. Yeah. With They're little just, prompts. Yeah. Yep. They just help you focus on the good. That's yeah. what it's all about. And it's free. All you have to do it's is free. Uh, you just go hit the link. I'll put it below. So you guys go do that. It's got some really, really great little stuff in there to help you. you on your journey of saying no <laughs> and very saying great, yes. Very grateful for sharing all goodness. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll probably have you back there. I know you've got, there's so much in, in that brain of yours that <laughs> we could share with our listeners. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah, we really, we, we've enjoyed the conversation. It's been super fun. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And we will, you guys be kind to yourself. That's your challenge for the week. Forgive yourself, be kind for yourself and let it go. All right. Everybody take care. Thank you for joining us on What the 40-ish. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear some more, please hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, or share with your friends. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram at What the 40-ish. And remember, we're all just trying to make it through. So do something kind for someone else today. Even a smile goes a long way.